jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard for Dungey! Green pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Driver's Village and Hummel's Office Plus. All right, let's do it here on a Thursday on ESPN Radio. Welcome in, welcome aboard. We got a lot to get to. We got Eric Dobratz from WTNH in New Haven, Connecticut coming up to give us a UConn update at 12.35. We've got Nate Mink at 1.05 to talk SU and UConn this weekend. He wrote a really interesting uh, series, set of pieces, about Randy Edsel, his connection, obviously, to Syracuse, and uh, why he did or did not get, uh, why he did not get the Syracuse job nearly 30 years ago. So we'll talk to Nate about those things coming up at 105. We'll talk a little bit of Yankee Red Sox and the end of this baseball season coming up in the second hour. We'll get to today's business in the second hour. We might just get to Jets Browns and this um how do we how do we say this? This uh not so attractive Thursday night football game coming up as well. But we start off with Syracuse and UConn. We start off with Syracuse football because the orange has the opportunity here to do something that they will they have not done since 1991 something that the orange the orange men if you want to go back that far have not been able to do in my lifetime in the last 27 years and that is go 4 and 0 and in all likelihood they will reach that mark in all likelihood they will get to 4 and 0 because this Yukon team coming in just isn't that good. They're rebuilding. They're not very good to begin with. And this is an opportunity for the Orange to take that next step, to get to 4-0, to put themselves on the map, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, they've beaten some meh to below average teams. That would certainly be fair to say. But in some regard, 4-0 is 4-0. And it's a nice step forward for your program. It's a nice benchmark to hit. And the reason why I say with relative certainty that I think they'll get there, the reason why I look at this game and say, hey, Syracuse will get to 4-0, well, it's a little bit about Syracuse. It's a little bit about what they've done so far this year. It's a little bit about the beatdown that they put on Florida State this weekend, albeit a bad Florida State team. But it's a lot to do with UConn. It's a lot to do with this team that Randy Etzel is back leading, that he is rebuilding. Because after he left, that program fell apart. After he left, that program went into shambles and struggled to find the footing that it had, struggled to find its way anywhere near 
that Fiesta Bowl that Edsel had taken them to. So now he's back from Maryland. He's head coach again at UConn. And here's how these first three games have gone this year. You get smoked by South uh, by Central Florida. Look, no shame in that. Central Florida went undefeated last year. Central Florida is the best group of five team in the country this year, probably. No shame in getting smoked by South Florida. You lose that game 56-17. All right, you struggle out of the gate. It makes sense, though. You're facing a top 25 team week one, a team that just overmatches you, that is just better than you. All right, so let's see what happens week two. Week two, you go out to Boise. You go out to Iowa to the Smurf turf. And you get laughed off the field again. You lose 62-7. to But not only do you lose 62-7, to no, that's not good enough for the Huskies. They allow 800 yards of offense. Now that's, now that's concerning. Right, that is concerning when you're allowing over 800 yards of offense in a single game. Rhode Island comes to town. FCS school, you should beat them. You should, you know, win relatively comfortably. They're Rhode Island. They're FCS. They're a league below you. They're a step below you. Even UConn. No, that game's 56-49, and you allow 550 yards of total offense. Now, I don't know if Syracuse's offense is better than Boise State. I don't know if Syracuse's offense is better than Central Florida. I would certainly say that, you know, those are similar offenses, right? You want to have that kind of firepower if you're Syracuse. Those are two schools that are known for running high-powered, high-tempo, just just in-your-face, stuff-it-down-your-throat kind of offenses. But I do know this. I do know that Syracuse's offense is better than than Rhode Island's. I do know that this offense that the Orange are running is significantly better than whatever Rhode Island is doing. I know that Syracuse would run circles around a Rhode Island team if they were to come up to the Dome. That much I know. And so when I look at this matchup with UConn, I say to myself... What in the world is this Syracuse offense going to do against a defense that has allowed 2,020 yards in three games this season? All of a sudden, every team that faces Connecticut is the greatest offensive team of all time. Or certainly close to it. So what is this offense going to do? The one that scored 117 points over its first two weeks. The one that got rolling and scored 24 points and a half against Florida State. What is this offense going to do against that defense? Against that Connecticut Huskies team? Because that's where things could get ugly. And you know, Eric Dungy, he leaves the game early on Saturday... But he's back. He's seemingly healthy. He was at the media availability on Tuesday night. And I think that's a tell. I think that's a sign that whatever it was, whatever happened, and and the reports are that Dungy got one of those 
rubber pellets, rubber beads from the turf stuck in his eye. They had to dilate it. They had to keep him out for, for those kinds of reasons. All right. The fact that he was there Tuesday, available, in front of cameras, talking to reporters, that to me is a sign that everything really is okay. Because in the past, and maybe this is unfair, but in the past, players have been held out, and Eric Dungy has been held out, of those media opportunities of those opportunities to show your face in front of the reporters, in front of the TV cameras, in front of photographers. He's been held out of those before. And it leads to more mystery, and it leads to more questions, and it leads to more concerns. And then ultimately he shows up on Saturday, and you're like, oh, why did we waste our time talking about this? Or he doesn't show up Saturday, and you're like, oh, I guess he really had something serious. The fact that he was out there, and this is a little minutia thing to, to probably most of you. The fact that he was out there on Tuesday night to me shows he's going to be starting on Saturday and everything's A-OK. Nothing to hide, nothing to be coy about. No, it, it legitimately was, hey, he got poked in the eye, he got something stuck in his eye, and he'll be back, he's ready to go. And I think that's a good thing for this Syracuse offense. Because the Syracuse offense played really well against Western Michigan. Played really well in that game against Wagner. Struggled with Eric Dungy in the game against Florida State. They did. They struggled when Eric Dungy was in the game against Florida State. They were moving, it seemed, through quicksand. They couldn't quite get the offensive possessions going and rolling in the right direction. And so now you bring them back. And yeah, there's Clemson waiting on the horizon. Yes, there is UNC waiting on the horizon. There's NC State waiting on that horizon, waiting for you on the other side. And those are legitimate tests. Those are games that, you know, you need your team running at full strength to, in the in the case of Clemson, have a chance, in the case of UNC, NC State, to, you know, go out and win. You need your offense humming in those games. So use this weekend, use Saturday as a chance to get your offense right. Use Saturday as an opportunity to get the offense humming again, to get it rolling at at top speed, to where it was week one, week two. That's what I'm looking for out of this game. Because of how poorly UConn's defense has played, make it look bad. right? Make UConn's defense look as bad as it is. And make it look as bad as it looked against Central Florida, against Boise State, and against Rhode Island. Because you've got the firepower, you've got the ability, you've got the bodies and the horses to go do that. UConn's a terrible defensive team. UConn is a defensive team that you should be able to hang 50 on easy. And you should be able to get to that elusive 4-0. That 4-0 that you've been chasing down for nearly 30 years. You haven't been able to do it since 1991. And yes, you can look at the schedule and you could say, well, you beat an FCS team, you beat a terrible UConn team, you know, Western Michigan, you know, maybe they're good, but, uh, you know, at the same time, they're Western Michigan, like group of five, maybe you should probably beat them. And hey, Florida State's having a down year. Florida State's having a bad year. You can say that and I would, I would totally understand it. I might even agree with you. 
But for where this program is, for what this program has been over the last five years, to be able to start a year 4-0, to match your win total from each of the previous three seasons in four games would be remarkable. That would be an accomplishment. That would be a big deal. Different than when SU went 3-0 and four years ago. Different than that. This would seem like a real big deal. This would seem like some kind of a turning of the corner, some kind of culmination. Hey, you're past that. You're past this point of three and nine, four and eight seasons. You're on to something better. Okay, you started four and oh, build off of that. Get to six, get to seven, whatever it may be. So yeah, this game against UConn, Syracuse should win. Syracuse should win handily. Eric Dungy should go out and have a great game. I expect to see more Jarvie and Howard, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. I expect to see more of Jarvie and Howard and, and more of his impact on the game. But that's what this game should be all about. That's what this game should be all about. This should be the same as the Wagner game. Go out there, get your work in, get your guys off the field, get healthy, and and move on to Clemson. Move on to a Clemson game that, yeah, you beat them last year, but now you're going down to Death Valley. Sure, you beat them last year in the Dome. They're going to want revenge. They're still a top-five team in the country. Who knows what's going to happen? But you go down there and you wait and you see and you find out. And that's going to have a big game atmosphere. That's going to feel big because you're 4-0. But you have to take care of business. And to me, you have to make UConn look bad. You have to make UConn look bad. Make them look the way that they are. Don't keep them in a close game. Don't struggle out of the gates. Don't do any of that stuff. Don't mess around with them. Just take UConn, suck the life out of them, and toss them aside. Right? Like, it's it's fairly simple when you think of it that way. Take the life out of them and toss them aside. Because that's all you need them for. You need them for another win. Right? One of six in coach speak. That's what this weekend is good for. And I think Syracuse will get that next one of six. Let's take a timeout. 315-437-7644 is the number to call. 315-288-0644 to text. And on Twitter, at Seth Goldberg 17 and at ESPN Syracuse. Plenty of ways to get involved in the show. 20 minutes from now, we've got Eric Dobratz from WTNH, the weekend sports anchor in New Haven, Connecticut, coming on to talk UConn football with us. Nate Mink coming up in about 50 minutes from now. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. This is Orange Nation, Seth Goldberg with you here up until 2 o'clock. And Matt Park in the booth then. Brent Axe, of course, on the block, 4-6. to six. How about this? Yankees on deck. We're back. We got a show tonight. Yankees-Red Sox trying to go for the sweep down there in the Bronx and hold off the Red Sox AL East celebration. We'll get to some Yankee-Red Sox talk coming up in a little bit. We'll have Nate Mink on in 
about nine minutes or so coming up on the show to talk some SU football. Orange Nation brought to you by Charles Heating and Air. And I've got producer Tommy Hogan here with me now. And Tommy, what do you have here? You have fact or fiction? I've got some you're fact gonna, or fiction for you, yes. So, so you're going to give me a, a statement and I say fact or fiction? Correct. Right or wrong? All right. Correct. Throw so one at me. My first one. Eric Dungy completes the game. He plays the entire game. Uh, fiction. I don't think he does. I and and that is not an injury thing. I I will stress that is not an injury thing. I don't think he's going to leave the game hurt. I think that they are going to dominate UConn, and this game just won't be close, and it, and it won't be worth having him out there. The offense will do what the offense has to do. Tommy DeVito will get into the game, and and we move forward. I I, I fully expect Tommy DeVito to play in this game. He's played. Uh, he's played in the first three games. I mean, I, I fully expect him to play yeah, in this one. Dungey has not completed a game yet, so whether it was getting think, pulled or injury. I don't think necessarily that's a bad thing. And no, I, no. I know that the last one was due to injury, but I don't necessarily think it's the worst thing in the world that he hasn't completed a game. Yeah, like, I, mean, I, I don't think there's a, a problem there. The first game of the season, there was no problem in pulling him. Maybe earlier, in, or, or right. whatever I mean, your argument may be. You can battle the semantics of, sure. of how it was done, but like he probably should have gotten pulled from yeah. that game at some point. He should have gotten pulled from the, the Wagner game yep. at some point. And you know what? He got poked in the eye. Like He's got to come out of that game. Exactly, yeah. The running back situation is also becoming somewhat of a competition. Yeah, Jarvion Howard has looked really good, especially in this last game against Florida State. Does he prove to be the number one running back in this game? Uh, in this game? Does he prove himself in this game to become the number one running back, oh, I, I should uh, say? I'll go fact. I I fully think that he's the best running back on the active roster right now. I couch that by saying I have no idea what Abdul Adams is. And, like, Abdul Adams might be the best running back they have. I don't really know. Uh, but Jarvian Howard looks really good. He I've does. Been, I've been very impressed with him. These last two weeks, I loved I loved what I saw in the Wagner game, but I also said, "Hey, it's Wagner. Like, let's see what else he can do." I thought he looked really good in the Florida State game. I think he's a guy who deserves more carries. I think he's a guy who deserves more touches. I think that he's the best running back out of the three. Him, Dante Strickland, Moniel, and you know maybe that opens up. And and I, I don't know how realistic this is. Maybe it opens up the possibility for Dante Strickland to play more of a receiver role. Because it, it certainly seems like he's pretty good in that regard, right? He's a pretty good pass catcher. So maybe it opens him up to go play slot or something like that. And then you can utilize Howard and Mo Neal out of the backfield a little bit more. Dante Strickland came into the program as a wide receiver. He, did. he played wide receiver his freshman year, and then they moved him to running back. So I, I agree. I think he does factor better in the offense as a, as a wide receiver. And Syracuse is clearly looking for someone to step up as a second wide receiver. So... Maybe that Maybe could be, he the case. be a slot guy. Maybe. Uh, let's get one more here before your update. All right, so we'll go to Thursday night football. All right. Fact or fiction? The beer coolers get unlocked in Cleveland tonight. Uh, fact. Fact. Absolute fact. The Bills are winning. Uh, the not the Bills. The Browns are winning this game. The Browns are winning this game. This is this is the time. Three uh, six hundred thirty five days. Six hundred thirty five days. I do want to see it get to two years just for like the laugh factor. I don't <laughs> think it will. Uh, they've been very close to winning two games already this year. They're playing the Jets. Uh, the Jets are the Jets. Uh, you know, I, I hate to use Darnold's name as a pun, but like to some extent, same Darnold. Uh, but like, <laughs> nice. you know, it's it, it. They're the Jets, and they're going out to Cleveland. The Browns have looked pretty good. I still don't trust Tyrod Taylor for anything, but. 
yeah, I, I think I think the Browns finally get that win. Browns are a kicker away from being two and zero. They are. That and is a, true. Against the Steelers and the Saints, so I mean they've they should be able to take care of business at home tonight against the New York Jets, but. No, they we'll they should. Yeah. I, I mean, they they are as you said, they are a kicker away from being two and zero, which is remarkable. Um, this is their best start in <laughs> years. Yes, it is. <laughs> They're zero one and one. Uh, we'll have that game on ESPN AM twelve hundred. Oh, we'll have that game on the radio tonight. Uh, Tommy, thanks for no the problem. the factor fiction. Let's get to your update. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. And we are brought to you by the Bill Rapp Superstore at the corner of Thompson and Burnett in Syracuse or online at BillRapp.com. Here on Orange Nation, we roll until two. Half an hour left in the program. We'll have today's business coming up shortly. Quick segment here. We went a little bit long with Nate Mink. Uh, I wanted to talk Yankee Red Sox for a little bit. Um, this series in the Bronx, it doesn't mean much as far as the AL East. It doesn't mean much as far as the division, but I have said this, and I will continue to say this. The Yankees, when right, when at full strength, are just as big a threat as anybody to come out of the American League. And, and I, I still fully believe that. The Yankees, when right and fully healthy, are as big a threat as any other team to come out of the American League and go to the World Series. And I think that this series shows that to an extent. I think that this series proves that. They are right there, right? They're right on the cusp. They're right there as that next team, as a potential team to go out there and make it to the World Series. And so when you're looking at the Yankees and what they can do this week against Boston, they've already won the first two. They've got another one tonight. They've got, uh, you know, another good opportunity to go get a win tonight. And yeah, Boston might be resting some guys, and you know that you're going to you know, go win the division, and you miss Chris Sale. I, I get all that. But I do think there's a psychological aspect. And there's another series left between these two teams down at Fenway Park. But there's a psychological aspect here of you just got swept in Boston in a four-game set in a series that, for all intents and purposes, ended your chance at winning the division. Right? That ended it. That was it. About six weeks ago. And so now you come out and you've got the possibility to sweep them. And you're back at full strength. You got Aaron Judge back. And I think that that's just a a psychological swing and a psychological switch. Hey, we know we can beat these guys. We've beat them before. We can beat them again. And, And that matters. As silly as it might sound, that matters for... Uh, for a team going into the playoffs. I have no doubt about that. Let's take a timeout. I said we were behind the clock. We'll come back. We got today's business coming up with Tommy after this. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. Back here on Orange Nation. Got about a half an hour left in the program. We'll pass it off to Matt Park in the booth at 2 o'clock. Orange Nation brought to you by Onondaga Community College's Workforce Development Program. Learn the skills local employers need in just two to eight months. More info at suneocc.edu slash workplace. As mentioned, Stephen Fonte out today a bit under the weather. Uh, We're hoping he is back with us soon as we lead up to this UConn game uh, between the Orange and the Huskies. But we got Tommy Hogan here. You heard the voice guy. It is today's business. Uh, Tommy, what do you have on tap? 
So there's a little NBA offseason late drama. There always is. You gotta love the NBA Twitter. It's yes. awesome. Yes. And uh, Steven Jackson seemed to get into the middle of a, a little drama between Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins' older brother tweeted out hallelujah to a tweet of Jimmy Butler requesting a trade. One of the reporters uh, tweeting that out. Steven Jackson made a a one-minute video on Instagram of the scenario that Andrew Wiggins should how he should have handled it with his older brother when talking about deleting the tweet or whatever. Right. And in this video, Steven Jackson says that Andrew Wiggins has no heart, has no energy, and Jimmy Butler has all the heart and all the energy. So he calls out Andrew Wiggins for... Being a low energy, lack yeah. of... Being like a, a lack of team guy. Almost. Sure, exactly. Being now, a, Which I, is what the Timberwolves have an issue right, with, really. Right. I struggle to disagree with Steven Jackson. Uh, you look at the Timberwolves, and, and you look at Carl Anthony Towns, who's a, a heck of a talent. You look at uh, and Andrew Wiggins, great talent. Um, but I, I don't think, specifically Wiggins, I don't think has developed to the point where they would have liked. For sure. You know, I, I think Towns has taken a couple of steps, maybe not as much as they would want, but Wiggins really seems to have not quite developed uh, to the point where you would have hoped he would be at by now. And... Wiggins and Towns together accomplished next to nothing. And you bring in Jimmy Butler. He's got you at the three seed in the East. The three seed in the Eastern Conference. That is unbelievable. And then he gets hurt. You go 10 and 14 Western down the stretch. In the Western Conference. Yeah, sorry. Uh, the Eastern Conference wouldn't be as impressive. No. Uh, hey, but he's got you as the three seed in the Western Conference. And then he gets hurt. You go 10 and 14 down the stretch. And you need to win on the last night yep. of the regular season just to make it as the eight seed and get swept by the Rockets. <laughs> so when you look at that team, like, tell me what changed at the end of the year. And and where the heart and soul lies of that team. Like I have a, I have a tough time disagreeing with Steven Jackson. Um, to your point that you made at the very beginning, you've got to love NBA Twitter in this drama because this is all we got, right? Like, it's awesome. like we we know the Warriors are gonna go win another title. We know the Warriors are gonna go get another ring, but like we need all this other crap. Like I, I, I love this stuff and, and I, I love this Jimmy Butler drama that all of a sudden came out of nowhere. Um, seemingly came at, came to a head out of nowhere uh, yesterday, and and the three teams he listed. He wants to go to the Knicks, the Nets, or the or the Clippers. Like, Looking well, like Clippers is too. He, is he crazy? Like, he wants like, that what market. Is he, what, yeah, is he, what, what is he looking at? Like it's it's amazing. Um, He's ready to get that he, money because yeah, they have the max slots. That's all that's, he cares about. Apparently, it's, it's unbelievable. I struggle to. I honestly struggle to say Timberwolves every time I mentioned the and mentioned the Minnesota Timberwolves because they. I almost say the Timberwolves every time because they are just becoming the Chicago Bulls 2.0. Tom Thibodeau is Taj Gibson they've added. Jimmy Butler, Derrick Rose, Joe Kim Noah's not on the market. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes there. Who'd I mean, they sign? They got somebody this They got Derrick uh, Rose. Luol Dang. Luol Dang, they just had. They, they I mean, Luol I, Dang. I have literally struggled they to are, say Timberwolves every time I say Timberwolves. They are Timberwolves. They are. They are it's, the Timberwolves. It's not, yes. not, but they're going to get rid of their best bull, their best yeah. Timberwolves now. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe that experiment only lasted one year. Like that team should have been so much better than it was. And For sure. To be fair, Jeff Teague too. To be fair, they were good. Like they they were good when they had Jimmy Butler on the floor. He got off the floor and they struggled. Uh, what else you got? Space Jam Two. A lot of yes. uh, the creation of this is starting to become announced. Um, James Coogler has been named the producer. He was the director of Black Panther, and that's where LeBron James saw his work and and 
really liked it and wants him on board uh, on this this big project that is supposed to be tentatively shoot uh, be shot next summer, next off season. So I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I, Brent said it on his show yesterday. What I'm most looking forward to is the the other NBA stars. Who are the other guys? Who's the monsters? Who? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who's the Muggsy Bogues? Who's the Charles Barkley? <laughs> who's the, who's the Sean Bradley? Draymond, Draymond has to be Charles. I would think so. They're like perfect. They are. They're, as much as they fight with each other about it's because they're the same stuff, person. They're the same person. Yeah. So like that's a that's a go to. Like is Isaiah Thomas the short one? Could be. Uh, Chris Paul, I think Chris, Chris Paul, Paul might, would, Chris Paul maybe. Um, I like I. I, I think Thomas this. and LeBron don't get along. I no. I but I I love this because I you know I the the movie came out I was like three years old, uh, so it was probably like my first exposure to, to Michael Jordan. Sure, and like I saw him playing with Bugs Bunny, right? So like I I think that that's like that's the aspect of this movie that you love. Don't go back and watch it. Like I, I highly recommend not going back and watching Space Jam. Why not? Uh, it's not good. Yeah. It's not good now. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, I think it's so, awesome. So I'm curious what this sequel is going to be. I also want to know, and and I, this is a point that got brought up. I I wish I remember who I heard say it over the last thirty six ish hours, uh, twenty four ish hours. <laughs> You're talking about a guy in LeBron James. Who, for as good as he is, and as many comparisons to Michael Jordan as he's gotten, he's always wanted to try and like distance himself from Michael Jordan. So, like, why are you doing this, right? Like, why Space Jam? Because if if you really, and I know that's the basketball movie, right? It's it's the high. This was this blew my mind yesterday. Space Jam is the highest grossing basketball movie ever. Wow! Beating out White Man Can't Jump, beating out uh, Hoosiers, beating out anything anything else. It is it is Space Jam that is the highest grossing basketball wow. movie. But if if you really want to separate yourself from Michael Jordan, why are you doing that? And so I find that part of it interesting because you're going to have Jordan fans who come out and say, "Oh yeah, well you know MJ was better as as exactly. in Space Jam." Now, now like, acting debates, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, I made the joke tongue in cheek, like uh, LeBron's team won't fall behind; he'll get Bugs Bunny involved more at nice. the start of the game. Yeah. Like, like it's funny, but I. I'm I'm curious to see how this comes out because like there are a lot of serious questions like why bother doing this? You think LeBron comes back from the three one lead against the Monsters? <laughs> is it is it really a challenge to go face the Monsters when you've already beaten the Golden State Warriors? Like let's be honest. It's I think it might be under beating the it Golden State Warriors. Exactly. It might be easier to beat the Monsters. I think so. I think so. Uh, on that note, let's take a timeout. We'll come back and wrap it up after this.